Welcome to another episode of Yoga Biz Champ. I am thrilled to have back with me today Jill Agonius. If you've listened to this podcast, she was on Season 2, Episode 5, where she talked about the struggles of buying a studio, not doing her due diligence, but then sorting everything out and making it rock. Well, struggles no more. This is a Yoga Biz Champ for sure. She recently sold her studio for 30% over asking price. She's super inspirational. I adore this young woman and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of now named podcast Yoga Biz Champ, formerly Yoga Biz Camp, season four. And I am thrilled to have a returning guest with me, Jill Agonius from season two when it was Yoga Biz Camp. Welcome, Jill. Hey, Michael. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. I am not going to go through the whole introduction and your journey. I'm going to suggest if you haven't listened to it, folks, Jill was on season two, episode five, and it was called Structure Equals Free Freedom Seek Yoga. And in that episode, Jill goes through the entire somewhat traumatic journey of buying a yoga just studio. a little traumatic <laughs> going through all the traumas of buying a studio and facing everything and you really did have it from every front on that opening and then figuring it out easing it all putting structure into place and building the most beautiful amazing studio in Santa Barbara And I am thrilled because I don't get to meet all of my uh, podcast guests. (laughs) And we hung out at Mind Body Bold once, and I got to visit your amazing studio. And it is beautiful. But you recently sold it. Yeah, I did. And it was so fun hanging out with you, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, your studio, Salsic Yoga, downtown Santa Barbara, what an amazing, when I saw it, I was like, wow, there's not much parking around here. As far as all the things you look for in a studio, there's a lot of odds against it location wise, I think, but people made a massive effort to get to your studio space. Absolutely. Actually, the parking is not as bad as you think. It just requires a little bit of education. (laughs) But it's tourist town though, right? So it's very... It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very much tourist town. Very much in like the center of downtown Santa Barbara where all the tourists are walking by. Yeah. But people made... The people that live there, they made the effort to downtown, not being Mm -hmm. on the outskirts of town or anything like that. But it was a place that drew people and you created community. Thank you. Yes, it was such a gem and still is a gem. Still is a gem. Exists. Let's add your LinkedIn post, which funnily enough, I actually shared your LinkedIn post with one of my studios, one of my clients this morning <laughs> to show the possibilities. But here it is. I'm proud to announce that I sold my business in September 2023 with multiple offers closing at 30% over asking. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who supported me and Soul Seat Yoga Studio. Those five years were a wild ride. I started out wearing every hat, working 16 hours a day, and slowly grew 
an empowered team of 40 who ran the business with grace, even in my absence. Listen to that, folks. Together, we weathered the storm of a global pandemic, a full rebrand, and an epic renovation. Through it all, we became stronger, more organized, and more unified by our shared values. Small business heart, big business mindset. Truly, it was my greatest honor founding SoulSeek Yoga and growing it into a space loved by thousands in Santa Barbara and beyond. As I make the transition from wellness into real estate, I'm bringing with me the values of inclusivity and warmth that define my studio always. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to share what ventures are in store next. P.S. The new owners adopted the SoulSeek brand at their two studios in Manhattan Beach. So now there are three SoulSeek yogas in the world. Make sure to check them out at soulseekyoga.com. Yay! (laughs) How how long did it take you to write that? Forever. And I wrote it. I didn't put it into chat GPT or anything. That is super you. And I feel like every word was thought out. Totally. Yeah. Actually, it took me four months to post four it. Four months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you didn't, you posted it recently, right? Really recently. I think towards the beginning of this year. And I sold the studio September 2023. Yeah. So yeah. I saw the studio too. So I know that it's a feeling you gave birth to something and that you're, it's like the legacy continues without totally. you. Yeah, it's I don't have children, so I don't yeah. know from firsthand experience. Yeah, yeah. But it is like having a baby and then it, letting your baby yeah. run off and be their own person and go to college. Yeah, you nurtured it, it into like. something, right? And yeah, and I love that feeling because my studio is now in its 20th year. Wow. And, and, and on its third owner. Nice. And I, I feel like my studio opened at that generation of when the studios just started opening. Mm-hmm. We were in basements before that. Yeah. <laughs> or like DVDs and tapes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel now having, how does that, how does it feel you? There's been a bit of space between selling it and. Yeah. To be totally honest, when I first sold it, I, I have, I had known for about a year or so that I was on the brink of potentially selling and like you were saying, it's my baby and I put my whole entire heart and soul into it. So the process to get from thinking about selling to actually reaching out to Mitch McGinley, the most amazing boutique Mitch. fitness broker out there. <laughs> yeah, Mitch has been um, on a couple of my podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> it was like bittersweet to say the least. It was like breaking up with a significant other that you've been yeah. with for a long time. Well, so- and they, they grieve you too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. There was a lot of grieving, a lot of emotions at the studio, mostly positive, of course, because I was close with mostly everyone and um, they're very supportive of my transition, but there was a lot of heartbreak. Like it took me quite a few months to, and I think that's one of the reasons why it took me so long to post on LinkedIn because I was still going through that grieving and that letting go process. Yeah. Yeah. And just like rediscovering who I was as a person because my identity was so wrapped up in the studio But now that a few months have gone by and I was able to take pretty much a couple months off of work, I feel so much lighter, so much more yeah. empowered and had a ton of time for reflection. And yeah, I feel really good, really good right now. 
can you tell me why you chose to, because you've chosen to, I feel like I remember a post you wrote. I'm not sure if it was an Instagram post, but I feel like there was a post at some point where you said something about, I did as much as I could. Yeah. Did, did I see that? Or did I hear that? Somewhere? Totally. Yeah. To, and, again, to be totally honest, I almost felt like I reached a professional and personal ceiling at the studio. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, the next step in yoga studio ownership to scale is opening other yoga studios. That was my, so I want to <laughs> know, I want to know why that decision, because yeah. you have a choice at that point, right? You've grown it to a point where it's profitable. It's value is 30% eventually over asking. <laughs> and so why was that decision to not ex- so expand or franchise mm-hmm. you could have got done that route but what was your decision to not do that route so even before I started at the studio or I guess right when I started at the studio I told myself that I was going to give myself four years to figure out what my next step was going to be I okay. knew that I was either going to the four options were either to close if for some reason the studio was not profitable to sell if the studio was profitable, but it was potentially taking up too much of my time, or maybe I wasn't enjoying it as much as I would have liked, or like in this situation reached a ceiling. And then the third option would be to franchise, which at this stage of the studio, it didn't really seem that possible. We just weren't big enough and we didn't already have other locations. And then the fourth would be to open up additional locations. And so I landed at that number two spot of selling, not because I didn't enjoy the studio. I loved the work, the people, everything. It was my, it was like almost my dream job, but I didn't, yeah, I just didn't want to take that next step of opening up an additional yoga studio. It's super capital intensive. Yeah. The only caveat to that would have been if I could own the building. <laughs> right. We exactly. were going- yeah. Okay. So you had a team of 40, you've got it to this place, you've got systems, you've got marketing automations. Can you tell me, so a lot of my young female studio owners, they, they get to this place, they've started it with passion, they're teachers and then they get to a place and a little bit of overload. And so you put a structure in of, can you tell a new studio owner how to put a structure of a team in place that helps build your business? Where to start mm-hmm. with that? Totally. Definitely listen to the other podcast episode that yeah. we did because it'll yeah. go into more detail. Yeah. But but yeah, on, it's just a, a slow burn. I think a lot of it is you have to be patient. You have to find the right people. Finding the right people is probably one of the most important things. Someone that you trust, someone or people that you trust, people yeah. that want to stick around and who are invested in your yeah. mission and uh, the yoga industry just in general. Yeah. And to document every single thing that you do (laughs) and just know that it's going to change. And every time you change it, just update it. And that's one of the best ways to grow a team because then you can literally just hand new team members. Here is the, our standard operating procedure for this specific task. And as you start to grow your team bigger and bigger, it's so important because if you think about we had one general manager and then myself and the general manager really took care of most things. And so 
instead of 40 people calling her all at the same time, they know that they can just open up the manual for whatever yep. department yep. they're in yep. and find the answer themselves. <laughs> so can you tell me, all right, I just had this conversation, honestly, before we met today, <laughs> SOPs, we started because mm-hmm. yeah, it's everything, right? And what you said there, you said something in there that it changes, you can update it, which is really important that you can create procedures. But when something comes out up like an instance where a lady in a studio, I got a text on the weekend, a lady in a studio screamed at somebody else in the middle of the room, right? (laughs) And also a big whole drama over in one class. But to me, that's okay. Like, okay, what can we learn from this? First, mm-hmm. we need to support our teachers. And so what structure are we going to put into the safety of the teachers? And so all of this comes into who do we contact? Who was in that class? Does that all r- ring? <laughs> totally. A thing as you're starting to build your systems. And first of all, I feel like people are intimidated by the word systems and standard operating procedures. It is literally just figuring out writing down and standardizing what you do on a day-to-day basis. It can be very simple, but yeah, when you start writing them, there are bound to be a bunch of things that you don't think of until they actually happen. (laughs) But I I think like in in that scenario specifically, it is good to just have a baseline for like, how do we handle conflict? Yeah. How do we support the teachers? How do we support the students? And maybe it's not necessarily line by line, this is a script, but this is the overall goal of what we're trying to do. For us, it was like, it was diffuse the situation, have empathy for whoever is screaming things to help them calm down and then go from there. Where do you, what is your SOP in? Is you printed out? Are you online? Are you Google? Are you, what do you, where is your SOP? Google Docs for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we print stuff out, especially things that are, that usually don't change that often, but to have the flexibility in Google Docs to be able to edit and for everyone to see real-time updates is super valuable. Yeah. Thank you. But what we did too, just yeah. as yeah. a side note is every, we would have an announcement updates sheet, like Google Doc that we would update as time goes on. And if there are ever any changes to the SOPs, we would use that update doc to let people know, hey, this has changed. And then everybody initials next to the thing that changed. So then everyone's still consistently updated. Yeah. I love it. And everybody listen. I think on the last podcast episode, you spoke about your training was all in your marketing automations and you put everybody into a funnel and did that get any bigger? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, I can go into marketing funnels for forever. I think maybe we need um, to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, they consistently grow. And what was really important for us and what our marketing manager, Taylor, did really was in our yearly calendar, we would schedule in audits. So it's really easy to get overwhelmed by how many automations there are. But it's also equally, it's also super important to make sure that you're spending the time to update them right. like reg- regularly because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe your voice changes, maybe uh, a rule at your studio changes, maybe price changes. Yeah. yeah. So it was, you, it was you and your manager. And then with the teaching, who oversaw the teaching team? Was that you? 
Our general manager did. The I general. did for, for quite a while, but the last uh, yeah. year or so she did. And then front desk was general manager as well. Yes, she the was. Re- Sierra was just a rock star. <laughs> you, just, you just found that. So you just found that magic one person that could do all of that stuff. She is literally magical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because those people are out there, right? It's like even with the, when I have new studio owners going through those learning phases of hiring and mm-hmm. when that, that person just not fitting in, I'm like, there are other people that will fit in and be part of your team and want to be part of your team. Absolutely. Yeah. You just have to put it out there and show people that you're hiring. And on, I actually recruited Sierra. She was a teacher at the studio and I don't know exactly what it was, but I just saw something in her and I asked her, do you want to be more a part of the business and start doing some admin and social media work was how it started, which is so funny because she like hates social media. And then that eventually evolved into something deeper. I think if Sierra is an anomaly, I think what most studios probably do is have a general manager who does operations, front desk team, sales, and then a teacher manager, and then a marketing manager. Yeah. Yeah. But you found that all encompassing person that could do it all oh yeah like I said (laughs) she's magic (laughs) so you said that in the process that you got to that place where you cat to yourself can you talk about that yeah so full disclaimer I have ADHD so (laughs) and I honestly think almost so many people in our world do and a lot of my studio Mm -hmm. owners do too Absolutely. Superpower and I think that's, too, totally. I think that's definitely one of our superpowers. I think it's also one thing that after you do something a certain amount of time, it just becomes a little less exciting, especially because for me, was, I spent four or five years just hyper-focused yeah. <laughs> on yeah. this thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I love my, that mode, by the way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It really, that's the superpower part of it. I have to like, I have to like rein it. Trying to find your keys might be another thing. (laughs) Totally. I don't know where anything else is ever. It took me like 10 minutes to find the AirPods for this podcast, but what was the question again? Oh, there's that ADHD popping in. Ceiling. Okay. The ceiling. Yes. So yeah, it's after a certain point, I feel like repeating things just got repetitive for me. And I felt, of course, there's definitely a lot more to continue to learn and grow, but I felt like, where can I find that? Where can I find that mentorship? Where can I find that growth? And I had been part of some really amazing mastermind groups and whatnot, but for this is just me personally. I don't think this is necessarily like the yoga business in general, but I was just feeling like slightly starved in a way. Like I wasn't getting the nourishment that I needed. Yeah. And also financially, our studio was packed. We had post COVID too. Post COVID. Yeah. yeah, We were packed. Yeah. They came back and maybe our morning classes weren't that great, but like our bread and butter classes were the evening and they were so full. People were canceling their memberships because they were like, it's too crowded. I don't being in such a hot, sweaty room with so many people, we feel like we're packed like sardines. And that was a big wake up call for me to to think 
okay, the, this is the amount of real estate that I have inside my studio. Yoga mats, <laughs> yoga mats are real estate, right? That's all you totally. got. All you the have. space is, yeah, and that's it. And I, I was just thinking that's when it clicked for me. Like the next step is to open up a yoga, another yoga studio or to increase the prices, which we had already increased the prices a bunch or to find a different space in Santa Barbara. And I still had a bunch of years on my lease and the capital to renovate another space just felt like it didn't make any sense. So yeah, I hit my personal ceiling and then at the studio itself, we just didn't have that much more room to necessarily grow. Yeah. And so what was the step that you took? So I imagine Mitch is part of that. And so tell, can you tell me about that kind of moment where you decided to take that step? Yeah. So I've known Mitch for a few years now. I actually reached out to him during the pandemic when I he thought helped, he helped you through your roughest stage. Just oh my gosh. You, right? Mitch was my guardian angel throughout yeah. the pandemic. And he we were not able to sell the yoga studio during the pandemic for obvious reasons. We got one offer, which was just like so much of a low ball. I I just couldn't take it. And so I told Mitch during the pandemic, I'm like, I'm not going to sell right now. Maybe I'll sell in a few years. We'll see how it goes. What can I do to prepare my studio to sell in a few years? Right. And the main things that he said were uh, net profit is the most okay. important, yep. not your gross profit, but your net. So like how much money you're actually keeping and then your systems and just making sure that the studio can run without you. So those were the things that I focused on for the next couple of years, thinking that there could be a potential to sell. But even if I didn't sell, those are just great business strategies to begin with. Take a note there, everybody listening. (laughs) Totally. That is the foundation of a business right there. And And if you're opening a new studio, start right away. Absolutely. There's no reason to think otherwise. You, You need to be making money. You need to start building your business. And when you start to build the systems, then you eventually no longer have to necessarily work it work in the business. You are just working on the business. So yes, when I decided that it was time to sell, I reached out to Mitch again and was like, okay, <laughs> let's get the party started. And he's the master. Because I had a little bit of experience with trying to sell my business before, I already knew exactly what I needed to give him which was yeah did you yeah. find it because I found I didn't do it with a business card I did it all by myself and yeah, that's a lot of work it was for me it was a very invasive process mm-hmm. right because you just get everything gets dug into because they're doing their due diligence right the buyers and Absolutely. so it's a yes okay we're going to get another report for you but I'm sure Mitch made that easier than what I went through <laughs> totally and I am extremely organized. So getting that stuff was just like so easy. (laughs) And yeah, he makes it really easy. I think one of the biggest benefits of working with a broker is that you can still work. It doesn't take away from the time that you're still working on your own business. So he handles a lot of the initial contact. Yeah. Like we had a ton of interest too. And 
it was really nice to have Mitch to talk to all the potential leads, Mitch and his team. He has a really great team as well to, to talk to everyone instead of me having to talk to them. Also, because as a yoga studio owner myself, there's a lot of emotion in it. Yeah. And so it's really nice to have a broker to be the middleman and to help one, he was like a therapist, to be totally honest. <laughs> and then two, for him to deal with a lot of the stuff so that I didn't have to. The negotiations and the... Yes. The although I loved the negotiations. I was like very Did much you, a part was, of the back end strategy for those. Uh, so, so, Which is probably really helping you now as you're in real estate. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. But I've always loved negotiating. <laughs> Can you, before we get to the cell bar, I want to go back a little bit to when you, you first started and you've learned so much along the way. You've literally taken this to as far as you could have taken it. And what would you say to those young studio owners that were like you back then? They are buying a studio and there's all those learning curves that get thrown about out at you. I think I help mitigate a lot of that by helping put structure up front <laughs> and onboarding <laughs> manuals and things like that. But not everybody has a coach at the beginning. And so what I'm noticing a lot is these wonderful, passionate young women by opening these studios and then having a hard time standing firmly in their own two bare feet in their studio and finding this confidence to say, it's okay that I have to let a class go. It's okay that this teacher doesn't fit into our vibe. It's okay for me. It's just, there's just that confidence to say, it's okay to be firm, fair, but have expectations. I, I really, I feel like you are the person to say to them. <laughs> yeah. it's. It takes a lot, right? It is a lot. Entrepreneurship is a lot. And I think as people who are coming from a place really deep within our heart, we feel emotions a lot heavier than perhaps other people do. And we usually tend to put other people before ourselves. And I think that's an amazing quality, actually. And I don't think that you necessarily need to repress any of that. I think over time, things start things do start to get easier. Those hard decisions that you think were hard a year ago, one year later feel Practice. like a little blip. And I think for me, what I really struggled with in my yoga studio, especially when it was struggling was my own self-worth. Yeah, And yeah. I think that I feel like a lot of people can identify with that. And there's this one quote, I have no idea who said it, but it's always been sticking with me. Uh, you, de you deserve to love yourself for all you are, not just the best version of you. And I think that when we're going through hard moments as entrepreneurs, we have to somewhat separate ourselves not completely, just compartmentalize. Okay. Here's your business self. Yes. And then here is your personal self yeah. and take care of you however you need to, but then also take care of the business however you need to, whatever is best for the business. There's definitely that, uh, that balancing act that eventually yeah. I promise gets easier over time. Yeah. 
And I feel like some of the clients I work with, especially when you've got things like ADHD, and if something knocks you off that, mm-hmm. right, you can get on this, I don't know about you, but you can get on a loop train in there, yes. right? <laughs> and it can knock people out for two or three days. But it's, it, it is that thing, it's, it can mentally knock you out, but we still have to have the business, like intro offers still need to be sold and mm-hmm. still need to be taught and subbed. Can you talk about that? I don't know if you resonate with that, but it's something. Totally. I think that burnout is a huge problem in our society and especially as entrepreneurs. And when you get knocked off, like you were just saying, it's really hard to get back up. And I think, again, that's that's where the compartmentalization can happen. And for me, one one strategy that I would do was I would let myself sulk and give myself like a time limit and be like, okay, Jill, now's the time. Go ahead, cry your eyes out, scream into a pillow, do whatever you need to do. And then at 12 o'clock, let's get back on that horse. And then be like, okay, from 12 to three, I'm like really in work. And then after three, just you can let it go to shit again. (laughs) But but you're giving yourself permission to go down, right? (laughs) Absolutely. You have to. If you continue to suppress and suppress, then one day you're just going to explode. And actually I did that. I was like, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just going to be resilient and I'm going to keep going no matter what. And then I crashed for a long time and I fell into a pretty deep depression to, to be honest. And then, yeah. And then I realized that you can, you have to have that balance. You have to let yourself cry, sulk, feel your feelings. And then you also have to give yourself permission to try again. And we lose our practice too. Very, oh. very common with, Absolutely. I think, with studio owners that are over-teaching, mm-hmm. over, over-teaching, and I think we lose why we started it. Mm-hmm. Conversation this morning was with one of my clients. Is you need to go to one of your classes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, and then I feel like, then the spiral is we feel like imposters. Because then we're just we all about the business. Have... Mm-hmm. It's all about the business. All right. So we need to move forward here because that's honestly <laughs> that's so amazing, though, that like you've given those insights because it's just raw, it's honest. And it's, I would say, 50% of the people I'm talking to is are feeling these things. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you, anyway, you've now got this business, you've m- maxed what you can do with it and yourself and you've reached out to Mitch you've gone through this process and then the perfect buyers have been found can you talk about yeah we had quite a few people interested in the business which was great I feel good (laughs) oh my gosh like extreme validation right there (laughs) which is yeah that felt really good and it feels good to talk about but yeah, the people who eventually ended up buying the business are, are this couple, Justin and Greg, who I've known just through the yoga world the last couple of years. And I actually reached out to them. <laughs> I've been prepping them for a long time, though. Oh, I don't know if really? that's kind of creepy and weird. But yeah, they, <laughs> they came. I have just been planting the seed. Really? Planting the seed. Well, so you had a gut feeling they were the right. I had a gut feeling. Yeah. I think like part of it was our personalities just clicked. Uh, Actually, Justin, we have the same birthday and I don't know that studio. Yeah. He has the studios down there and they came up to Santa Barbara during the pandemic, actually, when we were still outside and I was 
in the middle of demoing the our studio space. And I remember them walking into the studio when it was like to- a total mess and being like, oh my God, it's beautiful. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so they had already loved the studio and took a couple of classes with us and we stayed in touch. So a few months before listing the studio, I actually poked Justin, reached out to him on Instagram and was like, hey, just I'm gonna I'm probably gonna list my studio for sale in March or April. And he yeah. was like, Great, keep me updated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause sometimes sometimes it takes a long time for someone to commit yes. to buying a business. And so planting the seeds there with him was <laughs> very strategic and obviously worked to my favor. Yeah. And then um, we had a couple of other people who were interested as well. People who found us just through Biz Buy Sell, yep. which was a great platform. And and then one person who had a franchise who wanted to rebrand to their franchise, which I wasn't very much into. And then another very sweet couple who used to live in Santa Barbara. And eventually when it came down to it, we had two two final remaining parties who were interested and we went into very fun <laughs> negotiation and yeah, eventually landed on Justin and Greg, which, which I'm very happy about. It would have been, the other people would have been amazing too, but ultimately super happy. Was it, with it, me. Was it important that you got, that it was the right people? Cause it was for me. Oh my God. So important. Yeah. Like yeah. again, a yoga business is, it's not, I don't know, like a laundromat. Yeah. It is our souls manifested into a space and into a community and finding the right people to care about it and nurture it and continue to grow. It was like the most important. Yeah. For me too. I've told the stories a few times, but it, when one person came into my studio and she was primed to buy it but she had I think her other studio was a faith-based studio so she walked in and we had a very prominent 220 pound beautiful concrete Buddha on a beautiful handmade bench and it was like the prime real estate you know focal point in the studio and first thing she said was the Buddha would have to go and I'm like they immediately would hate you like if you put that Buddha away everybody in that studio would it would not be a good start for you. (laughs) For sure. I I think that one important thing that is hard to come to grips with, but is the truth is that once they buy your business, it is no longer yours. Yeah. So they they can do whatever they want with it. Did you, so when you sold it, did you have, did you, you already had systems. I, I want everybody to listen here. When you have systems and you sell your studio, you literally hand it over and go, this is how your business is run. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Was there part of it where you're in there to help support for a while or answer? Was there a... Yeah, it was unique with Justin and Greg, I think, because they already have two studios in Manhattan they Beach. Have, and yeah. a lot of the things that we were doing were already very much in alignment. Okay. But yeah, that was essentially it. Here's access to our Google Drive. Like the team, actually, we... Uh, pre-closing, we created a, a timeline for two weeks. So there's two weeks of training okay. uh, where we went over everything from how I do payroll, which of course they have their own business in Manhattan Beach. So that I believe has already changed, introducing them to the different departments. And then from there, I honestly like 
they just met with the team themselves instead of me <laughs> because yeah, everything yeah. Yeah. was already set up and the team was great, super, super supportive. But yeah, they honestly didn't really need me that much. I think we met three or four times very briefly and then that was it. I stayed involved way too long. Really? Yeah, how, yeah. how long? Just probably a year. That's yeah. a very long time. It was a, it was a long time. <laughs> what I didn't know then, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't a business coach then. I was just the same thing. I was a yoga teacher that opened a yoga studio and scrappily found my way. <laughs> and what I didn't know then was that prior to me having a coach, I didn't know I had something of worth. And, and I think a lot of us we passion people go into it, serve, and, and then we go, oh, it's a business. Totally. <laughs> Eventually, you can start something with passion, of course, and wanting yeah. to help people. Eventually, it has to become a business in order for you to continue to serve yeah. people. But I think even in the past, even in the past, since I sold the studio, I think our industry has changed. It, when I was selling, there wasn't all the knowledge and the, the automations we have now and the knowledge we have on stats and things like that. It was a different time. And so we have all that, those amazing tools now. Uh, so you've chosen these amazing people to buy a studio. You've gone through that process. What's next for Jill? Ooh, so I have been, even during the studio, I was dabbling in real estate, both investing at, and as an agent. So at the beginning of this year, I dove headfirst and now I am just full-time in real estate and flipping a house right now, working with a few buyer clients and yeah, it's been fast. <laughs> like everything has been moving so fast and I absolutely love it. I feel like with real estate, there is no ceiling. So I feel like there's a lot of room for me to grow in this space. And ultimately, oh, and another thing that I'm doing is I'm actually teaching entrepreneurship classes at a local nonprofit called Women's Economic Ventures. Um, yeah. Congratulations. Is that the one that Thank supported you. you on your opening? Yes. Yeah. So now you Full circle, baby. <laughs> because we spoke about it that on the podcast, I believe, on the first yes. one. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And so I'll be doing that for hopefully as long as I can, just because it's really my passion to yeah. help entrepreneurs. And I don't have the capacity that you do, Michael, to start my own yoga business consulting company. So this is like, for me, the next best step. So still oh. get to help people. And then my ultimate longer, longer term plan is to become a venture capitalist and specifically invest in women-owned businesses, support LGBTQ, BIPOC, and environmental companies and founders. You just put that out there and I 100% think that you <laughs> will be able to make that goals. It's so important. Yeah. And I usually end my podcast. What are your, so business tools, they might've changed now. What do you go to? What's your go-to business app or tool that you use a lot now? As of right now, as far as software goes, 
I'm rebuilding my social media and automation is very key. It's been a long time before the yoga studio. I was primarily working only in marketing. It's been difficult to get back into the execution part. I'm definitely missing our marketing manager at SoulSeek. Because it's all about, it's you now, right? It's just me right now. (laughs) And it's different than a product or a studio or totally yes so I'm just starting from zero again rebuilding the automations rebuilding the systems and text messaging has been my greatest tool because in real estate Um, it's all about connections and just letting people know what I'm up to and getting updates life updates on what other people are up to which is so fun so exciting Uh, and personal app website that you go to now personal website that the MLS for real the estate. MLS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. I just love it. I love seeing what's coming, what's on the market and yeah, totally different than the yoga studio life, but But are you still okay, so teaching is that done for you or cuz you're still doing are you still doing teacher training? Are you Yeah. When, after I sold my studio, actually, I wanted to finish the teacher training that we were just about to start. So from September to December, I still managed and taught some of the yoga teacher training, which was the perfect transition for me. It was like a slow out and still Still got to be in the space. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, I have not taught a class in a few months. I definitely would like to continue to sub at SoulSeek and my it's funny my personal practice is actually way more consistent than um, it has been in the last yeah. 5 or 6 years so yeah. it feels really good to be back into practicing yoga for me and oh, just me yeah because when you teach, as part of my business yeah and when you teach also i found i was using a lot of one side of my body <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, absolutely. Right side only. (laughs) Let me demo on this side and then walk around the room. Right, totally. (laughs) Bill, you, I'm so happy to always have this connection with you. I think you're an amazing person. I think you're super inspiring to young women out there that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. And I just adore you. Oh, thank you, Michael. I love you so much. You're amazing. (laughs) And thank you for helping people like me and other yoga studio business owners. I think that like we were talking about earlier, it can be such a challenge. It's a great challenge, but Mm -hmm. it is so valuable to have someone who is your champion. And, <laughs> oh, I'm you know, you sneak that definitely in there. know that you've got a marketing background. Thank you. Oh yeah, but no, <laughs> you're awesome. And Thank I, that'll be my next real Nice. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much. Good luck with all your real estate ventures. Thank you so much. And just sending all of my love to all of the yoga studio owners out there. Um, you got this. You got this for sure. That's a wrap on another episode here at Yoga Biz Champ, your go-to sanctuary for turning yoga passion into a thriving business. If today's stories and strategies sparked that fire in you, imagine what we can achieve together. Don't let this be our last encounter. Please hit subscribe, follow us on your favorite platform, and leave us a glowing review.
Ready to unfold the mat on your dream studio? Whether you're sketching plans for your very first space or you're set to elevate an existing studio, I've got your back. Head over to yogabizchamp.com now to book your free, no-strings-attached meeting and let's explore how my starter studio package can cover your opening day costs or how my grower studio package can introduce systems and freedom into your business. Your yoga studio dream doesn't have to be just a dream. I'm Michael J, your Yoga Biz Champ, and I'm here to journey with you from blueprint to bliss. Because when you thrive, we all do. See you next time.